Hey everybody, happy new year and welcome back to the Texas Concealed Carry podcast. Uh, Todd and I are back here on recording our first show of the new year. Uh, Todd, how was your Christmas? How was your new year? It was good. Uh, We did some traveling. We went and visited um, the in-laws in Florida and we took Brody to Disney. Um, Last year we did that. It was uh, it was kind of the slow time of year, but it was a little bit busy this go around. So, um, a lot of people to deal with, but other than that, it was good. We enjoyed the holidays. How about y'all? Just stay local. Yeah, I pretty much stayed local. Um, worked over Christmas. Um, we had, of course the freeze played heck with our, uh, with our plant, the chemical plant that I work at. So that's always great. You know, the freezing weather never seems to, you do your best to prepare for it. And that includes even your homes, right? Everybody does their best to prepare for it. And beyond a shadow of doubt, there's always something that you forget. And same thing goes with, you know, places of work and stuff like that. So it turned into a little busier time at work, but everybody made it out. All right. Nobody got hurt and everything's back up and running. And now we're just in the middle of going into a shutdown. So now it's about to be a lot of work and that'll probably go for about three months. So we'll see. We'll be these, these podcasts coming up might be a little bit shorter just because I'm going to be working on days and probably won't be able to put as much time in, but all in all, good holidays. Got to spend time with family. Got to see all the family. So that's always good. Um, of course, got a little bit, you know, had a cold and stuff like that, which is somewhat part of the course whenever you're outside in the cold. Um, don't necessarily cover up the way you should, which I'm bad to, I'm bad about. But other than that, doing good now. So um, we can kind of kick this off if you want, Todd, with uh story that some people may have seen i've seen it going around on social media um because i live outside of houston um about 30 minutes outside of houston i I saw it actually on news but there was a shooting recently uh by a concealed carry or i take that back i don't know if he's a permit holder someone who was concealing a pistol on themselves there was a taco shop that was robbed by another man with a pistol and this person drew their pistol and ended up shooting the guy. Um, now some of the videos, a lot of the videos that I saw that were transferred by, you know, your various media outlets cut off before the first shot is fired, which, which makes sense because they're not supposed to show that, on TV. Um, however, if you do actually see the aftermath of it and what transpires in the shooting, there are some things about it that are questionable from at least a concealed carry or a self-defense point of view. Um, it appears that the guy that drew the person that drew down on the, suspect shot him essentially kind of from the side kind of behind which okay i guess you know i I could get that you took your opportunity when you could draw your firearm without being essentially without being shot you you waited for your opportunity okay um you shoot him once okay you know then you shoot him again 
And you shoot him again, and the suspect falls down. You shoot him several more times, and then essentially finish him off with a shot to the skull. That's That has kind of tr- well traversed past the point of, in my, and this is just my opinion, right? I mean, this is the way I see it. It has went well past the point of self-defense at that point. If if the suspect has fallen down and is no longer a threat to you, and you walk up and point blank shoot him in the head, that that's going to be very hard to defend. As I was in fear for my life, so that that's just kind of my perspective on it. Looking at it, you know, it's one of those things that. Again, I'm not there. I'm not in the situation. I can't tell you what I would do in the situation because I wasn't in that situation. I can tell you watching the video and looking at it from the outside in, I I think it's going to be very hard for him to defend that. Now, I haven't, I didn't follow up. I know the cops were looking for um, the the shooter or the civilian, however we want to phrase that i do not know if he actually turned himself in or if they found him but i know generally most people or at least what i was always told is if you're involved in a shoot you you know wait at the scene whenever the cops show up make sure that you 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 don't leave the scene to me leaving the scene makes it seem like it was a little bit premeditated now I'm not saying this was, I'm just saying that is, I feel like that's going to be the appearance. And I feel like if this goes to court or however this plays out, um, I could see a prosecutor going after him in that manner and saying that, you know, your actions don't correspond with someone that was in fear for their life. Now, someone pulls a gun on you. I'm pretty sure you're going to be in fear for your life. I'm just, this is kind of throwing that idea out there of, you know, what perspective is, how perspectives look, right? How everything plays out, and in the end, if you have to defend yourself, can you, or defend yourself in court, how can you defend yourself in court? And I think those, like, especially the final action that that shooter did is going to make it really hard to defend themselves. Yeah, I mean, and so I I caught that too. Um, saw that going around. Uh, at first, I was the same as you. As I only caught the portion where they cut it off right when the guy drew his gun. So the last updates I saw were that the suspect that came in to rob a store, he actually had a fake pistol. It was a fake gun okay. painted black. Um, and... Yes, you are correct. The guy leaving the scene, whether whether he was uh, carrying illegally or not, uh, given we have constitutional carry, but there are other things that could dictate that. Um, whether he is a, you know, he could have been, uh, just off of speculation, um, he could have been a felon, an ex-felon. He can't own a firearm. Um, he could have been a non-U.S. citizen. He can't own a firearm, so he has it illegally. You know, there are other things to consider on why this man could have left the scene. 
and not saying mm-hmm. particularly that the, those are those reasons. Those are just a couple examples off the top of my head that I can give. So the fact that he shot this guy that was robbing the store, yes, that's in self-defense. He shot the threat. He stopped the threat. He approached the threat and essentially executed the threat. So, or the non-threat at that point. Yeah. Um, so, and then he left the scene. To me, and, and you know, we you hear us say this all the time, we are not lawyers, we are not experts on the law, but my opinion is it is a big red flag for him that he left the scene because, yes, he defended himself, but he was not in the situation to be in a legal fight for this. Um, so he wanted to get as far away from there as he can. Now, given that situation, regardless of that, we can take away a lot from this. There, there's a lot to be learned. And, and as soon as this came out, one of the big things I posted, it was straight on Instagram, is how he waited for it. He didn't go, he didn't go Doc Holliday on the guy as soon mm-hmm. as he came in the door with a gun. He waited for his opportunity. And, you know, it's easy in the gun culture today, especially with the Instagram quick draws and everything else. And it's, it's easy to get caught up and we need to be as fast as we can be because that's what's going to save our lives. That's not always the answer. We need to be able to think through our problems. We need to be able to take advantage of the situ- situation to be able to give ourselves the greatest force multiplier that we can. And if that's waiting for our opportunity to be able to draw and put good shots on target, then that's what we need to be able to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, let's say you have a sub one second draw. You know, let's just say that's what you got. You know, you're guy that records on instagram you know all the time you've got you know a million videos of you drawing you know you're a sub one second draw now that's with a timer on you that's with no one else pointing a gun at you that's with you know you're in your element you're aiming at a target you already know exactly what you're gonna do and that goes for me like i'm i am not that person i don't have a sub you know i'm one and a half seconds you know on a good day more than likely, you know, to put an accurate shot, first shot down that I'm really confident with downrange. So you start talking about now you've got adrenaline, now you've got fear, anxiety, all of this is built up in you. You know, how easy is it? How many times have you practiced your drawing from concealment and messed up? Just practicing. Now you're now you're on the spot. It's a life or death situation. Are you really that comfortable with the fact of someone is looking at you, but you think you can draw and get a, an accurate shot on the threat before they can simply squeeze a trigger? My logic has always been, and I think most anybody you talk to, I'm going to say most because I don't know, you know, maybe there's some people out there that don't train this, but. You should you should never draw on a drawn gun, and and that's my personal opinion. Because if that person is looking at you, has a gun on you, how long does it take to squeeze the trigger versus how long does it take you to get your garment out of the way, get your gun out of the holster, present it, and fire, and do that without any hangups, without getting your hand caught in your shirt, without messing up your grip as you go to draw because you're so amped up 
adrenaline's flowing, you're moving, you know, your hands are probably moving quicker than they normally do. Can you, and, you know, that's what, like what Todd pointed out on making sure that you wait for an opportunity. That can be the guy ask you for your wallet and you fumble your wallet, drop it on the ground. So he takes his eyes off of you, turns to grab your wallet. Maybe that gives you the opportunity you need. Um, depending on the situation, you know, sometimes you can, maybe you'll be able to read the situation. You think, yeah, this guy literally just wants my money. Is my money worth me getting shot? I can cancel my credit cards. I can cancel my debit card. You know, I mean, I can cancel all that. So he's going to end up with the cash in my wallet and I got to, you know, I got to go through a headache of replacing my cards, but now I've avoided the fight altogether. Um, yeah. Are your credit cards worth being tied up in a court yeah. battle in the legal system? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. and, and I try to, people I talk to all the time, um, you know, and we, and we always hear, it, I hate to, get on the train with this but like you know the fuds everybody talks about the fuds you know and you hear a lot of it with constitutional carry well if they did this i'd just pull out my gun and shoot them this this and that and i'd get you know it's like well maybe if maybe it like you know is is it i always ask everybody what's worth for you getting involved in what is your life worth for you to get involved in because everybody says, well, if this guy comes in with a gun and, you know, trying to rob a place or he wants my wallet or something like that, I'm just going to shoot him. Okay. Well, let's say it's a, let's say it's a cack, the crackhead at the gas pump and he wants your wallet and he comes up to you with a knife or something. And we know that knife is deadly, you know, but mm-hmm. if you have the opportunity to create some distance, like, look, man, here's my wallet. Go away. Just take what you want. Go. And they pick mm-hmm. it up and leave. Now, if things escalate, that's a different story. But mm-hmm. at that point, like you just said, is your wallet and canceling your credit cards and all that jack? Because most people don't carry cash on them anymore. That's a fact yeah. of reality. Most people don't. So it's not that big of an issue if somebody wants your wallet. Um, now when we go into talking about the the context of being able to draw and draw the first shot, you know, we talk about waiting for opportunity. There are also times we need to be ready for that. We need to be able to get it out and put that first round Mm -hmm. on target. And perfect example of that are active shooter situations. You need to stop the threat. And that's when you need to, you know, for the most part, have your shit together, at least the best that you can in the situation. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, not not everything that, that happens that you may come into or get across or, or come across is worth getting involved in, uh, especially anything third-party related. Um, you know, I always use this scenario all the time. Um, what, if a, what if you're in a store and you're in the back and this guy comes in and he's got a gun and he's threatening the guy at the counter you pull his gun out and shoot him okay come to find out that that guy at the counter was a disgruntled dad because the guy behind the counter was a pedophile and he had kitty porn of his daughter now that's a whole different situation to consider right it's not just good guy bad guy type stuff so 
some of these things that may be better in that situation, you just kind of, all right, this guy in here, he wants his cash, whatever from the register. I'm just going to duck down, stay out, let him go. You know, it's, those are just things to consider for everybody. Um, and these are, go ahead. Well, so that was where I was even going to be, you know, talking about the situation, right? Another thing that could drive that thought for you would be who is with you, right? Like if it's me by myself, I may be willing to let a lot more of that stuff slide than if it's myself and my wife, right? Because now I've got another person I feel like I've got to watch out for and another person that's more than like that, you know, is more likely to get attacked. She's a lot smaller, like she's an easy target. So things like that can play into it too and will change your decision making. So that's stuff you got to think about as well. Now, all of this goes back to good, tr- you know, good practice, good training equals good execution in no matter what situation you're going to be in. So even what I'm talking about, you know, the nerves getting to you, the anxiety, the adrenaline, all that stuff, we train so that our muscle memory can hopefully take over and it will help alleviate. Now, it's not muscle memory only, but that will help alleviate some of that issue you would have with that anxiety, with that adrenaline. If it's a natural movement for you to you know, move your shirt and draw, then it's a natural movement no matter what the situation is for you to move your shirt and draw. And all we're getting at is if you're going to make that decision, you, you need to be ready to live with the consequences and you need to be able to, you know, whatever the situation you're in, you got to be able to tell yourself, yeah, that was the decision I need to make and I can live with that because in the end, if you shoot and kill somebody, you're going to have to live with shooting and killing somebody, no matter what that person was doing. And until you're someone that goes through that, you you know, I can say all day long, I think I'll be perfectly fine with it. You know, if someone's threatening my life and I kill them, I think I can be perfectly fine with it. Now, has that ever happened? No. So I can't honestly tell you if I would be all right with it. I like to believe I would be, but, you know, any of that stuff, it's, if you've ever put down... You know, if you ever had an animal that you had to put down or anything like that, you can tell yourself all day long, you know, this is what needs to happen. This is what's going to happen. And then whenever you get in that situation, you're going to shed a tear. You're going to cry. You're going to be upset. We can't, we can prepare ourselves all we want, but the real situation is always going to challenge us to a point that we're not ready for. And... That's where it goes back into, hey, we know what's coming. We know what we're going to do. I've made my peace with it, and I'm doing it. And I've already built the scenarios in my head of when I think that would be necessary. Yeah, I think that's good there. And, you know, and and talking about, um, you know, talking about being prepared, you know, uh, another thing that we wanted to touch on um, was first aid. You know, we see we see a lot of people. Um, they they have the battle belts and the tourniquets and everything else on battle belt or uh, in first aid. Um, you know, and and some guys carry it at the range. Some guys don't. More people usually don't. And mm-hmm. the reason we bring this up is because 
I got to use my iFact today. <laughs> um, so I told Evan about this earlier today. Um, I sent him some pictures, and we'll have uh, – I'll put some pictures up on our page so y'all can kind of see what's going on. Um, I went to a local U- the local USPSA match. Uh, I've been there a couple other times. Never had no problems. Uh, I'm not going to name the name of the local club. Um, went through, uh, which I forgot what stage this was, um, maybe four out of six, something like that. Anyways, had had no problems. They had some, um, some stations with steel mixed in it and we were, the shooter was up. He was getting ready to run the, uh, run the course of fire. And we were back behind the firing line, you know, just conversing, talking about the stage, how we were going to tackle it. And the shooter starts running the stage. Well, at one section of the steel, because I remember, because I heard the steel ping, 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 all of a sudden I felt like this whack on the top of my chest. And and I talked to Evan about this earlier, the best way I could describe it is when we were kids, I don't know if anybody else did this when they were kids, but we used to frog each other because we were little assholes. Um, But we would take our middle finger and roll it over like in a knuckle, and we Mm -hmm. would hit somebody either in the the arm, the bicep, or in the chest or whatever, and it hurt. And Mm -hmm. that's what it felt like. And at first it hit me, like I felt it hit me, I go, oh, shit, you know, something hit me, and I look down, and I'm bleeding out from under my shirt, and I speak up, I'm like, guys, I'm hit, and they're like, wait, what, and they look, and I'm bleeding, and they're like, everybody's like, oh, shit, you know, it it, is real now, and um, so I didn't know what happened. The first thing I was trying to do, I was like, okay, don't panic stay calm and i was just trying to focus to see if there was anything wrong with my breathing that i noticed right off the bat mm-hmm. um and so i pulled it down and i asked the, the one guy was looking right there and he was like okay i can see something in it he's like do you want me to pull it out and i was like i don't know how deep it is you know he's like no it's right here so he pulled it out and it was about a quarter inch piece long of metal jacket of copper jacket that had ricocheted off a steel plate and out of all the people there it caught me it Mm -hmm. zipped right through my shirt and right into my chest Mm -hmm. so we went to the car i had we were the bay was right there by my car and this goes to show i should have had this on my person we went to the car pulled out the trauma kit uh just grabbed some gauze and stuff like that um you know, try to get stopped bleeding and it was bleeding at the time. And I asked him, look, man, I don't know how deep this is. Can you see anything? Cause it was higher up on my chest that I couldn't see it. And he kind of looked around. He's like, it, it just looks like it's in the skin. Um, it doesn't look like it was that bad. And he's like, I don't see any bubbles or anything when you breathe. I think it's fine. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, take that for what it's worth. You know, it's I, I don't feel anything off. Everything seems fine. Um, you know, it's just 
just a laceration. So I put a, a big, big pad over it and just taped it on there. Went back, finished, was able to finish the match. Got done, and of course I was. Uh, I'd call my wife on the way home, and I was talking about it and trying to explain it to her. I'm like, do you think I should go to urgent care for this to get it checked out? Because I was kind of worried about infection and things like that. And um, she, it, when I was explaining it to her, she didn't quite get what I was talking about. She's like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, mm-hmm. I want to come home, let you look at it, see what you think. Well, by the time I got home, it had stopped bleeding. So I pull the patch off, and my wife looks at it, and she goes, oh, I think you need to go to urgent care. <laughs> mm-hmm. And... From what I could, when I got there and got them to look at it, and it was pretty funny because I walked in and I had this blood all over my shirt, and the lady was at the urgent care. She's like, "Oh, what's your problem?" And I'm just like casually, like, "Yeah, this is my problem." I just pointing at my shirt, and she's like, "Oh my god, where are you bleeding from?" And I'm like, "Good question." No, just kidding. I know where it is. And uh, they're like, "What happened?" And you should have saw the look on their faces when I explained this to them. <laughs> and. One of them was in the back, and they got me in there, and they were, you know, getting all my vitals and everything. Um, and she goes, she goes, yeah, I'm gonna uh, say that, you know. She's like, wow, you're the first person I've I've had that's been gunshot, and I'm like, well, technically, I wasn't really gunshot. And she said, but I'm gonna say you are because you're the only person I've had that's even close to it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I mean. Damage from a bullet, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. So, anyways, uh, doctor came in. They checked it out, uh, flushed it, cleaned it. They did take take chest X-rays to make sure nothing penetrated into the chest cavity. Luckily, there was nothing there. Um, it did. They did have to suture that up. Um, it was the laceration was bigger. Uh, than the actual puncture hole. So it was hard for her to tell exactly how deep it went. She did say for sure that it went through the muscle fascia. Um, so she said it's pretty sure it got into my, she thinks it got into my muscle for sure. And me being a skinny dude, like I don't have a big chest or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. like Evan here, I'm not rock solid. Um, <laughs> She did say there's there's a good possibility if it had a little bit more velocity, it could have made it into my chest cavity. And mm-hmm. that's scary. Um, it was yeah. an eye-opener. And this could have easily not been in this position. It could have been my neck. It could have been my face. Absolutely. It could have been somebody else's neck on the range. It could have been anybody yeah. out there. Um, it is a safety concern. Um, I don't know what... I don't know what caused this, whether it was um, not good upkeep of the steel plates that they're using, um, the particular steel plates they are using, um, or not making sure that people aren't using steel core ammo uh, Mm -hmm. when steel plates are available. I I don't know what caused this to happen, but the fact that shrapnel is flying at a USPSA match should be concerning to most people. Um, in, in my opinion, it should be given on how hard the USPSA harps on, you know, how strict they are on firearm safety. I would think that that should step in that bill. Now I am not, 
I am new to USPSA. I am not new to shooting steel. That should not be happening. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, that should not be mm-hmm. happening. That could be everything from how they had the steel angled to how the approach was. Um, part of the problem with this and kind of why we were touching on the whole first aid is so for one, you know, it punctured into the muscle, right? So it was moving pretty good. Um, what's one of the things you always need to wear whenever you're shooting a gun is safety glasses. And here's a perfect example of why, because something like that would have destroyed your eye, you know, had it hit him in his eye and he didn't have safety glasses on. Kind of like what we're talking about. Had it went into your neck where there's not a lot of muscle surrounding your carotid artery and all that stuff, you could very well have, you know, possibly pierced that. Now, that's a whole lot of, we're we're just playing the what if thing on here, but this is a perfect example of what can happen. I know there are a lot of ranges that I've been to that do not allow steel plates for this factor of ricocheting now i love to shoot still i'm not saying that you know i'm not saying you shouldn't shoot still but if you're inherently gonna do something that is a little more risky which causing a bullet to essentially explode by hitting steel could be defined as being risky you need to be aware of the line of fire of where that metal is going to deflect you know, those ricocheted the uh, pieces of the bullets from. Now, they may have ran this same course, you know, thousands of time and maybe never had this happen. Maybe this is a one in a million fluke. But it does go back to the importance of having some form of first aid available in these types of situations. Because had it been more serious, you know, I mean, what if it did go into, what if it did, puncture into his chest cavity what if it did puncture his lung there are things that could happen that you need to administer first aid and depending on your location help may be a little farther away you know maybe maybe you're lucky maybe it's five minutes out maybe you're unlucky maybe it's 45 minutes out uh so having something to at least help elongate or you know prolong your life as far as stopping a bleed you know stopping a sucking chest wound anything that can help you through those situations maybe it buys you an extra 15 minutes and maybe that's all you need but what we're getting at is if you're going to go shoot make sure that you think about this Um, i'm not saying you have to have a two thousand dollar first aid bag But think about some form of first aid to carry with you because these situations do happen and it could very well save your life. So think about that next time, you know, you're planning on going to the range. Um, I will tell you, like in my younger days, I never once carried first aid to go shoot. Heck, whenever I was younger, I didn't even wear safety glasses. And I mean, that's not trying to, Uh, It's certainly not a bragging point. I have gotten older and I've gotten wiser and I've gotten to shoot with a lot of people that have pointed out why I should be doing that. And now, thankfully, I have developed those habits. You know, I wear my PPE. I make sure I have something should something happen. 
I've got something to treat, at least at the bare minimum, try to pack a bleed, be it gauze or whatever, to try to help myself out to the best I can until someone that can apply a higher level of skills arrives. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a lot to take away from it. And, you know, of course, it didn't help the situation when it when it hit. It was, of course, the adrenaline dump. You know, mm-hmm. like, jet. Yeah. I've been shot. Yeah. yeah. And then... I, and then the anxiety kind of sets in because you don't know exactly what it was. You don't really know what the damage is. And even, you know, I mean, we, we talk about it all the time or you hear about it all the time. Uh, you know, like 22 rounds, you know, how they bounce around and stuff like that. I mean, that can mm-hmm. easily happen with something as small as a piece of shrapnel. I mean, you hear people from dying from stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't take much to get in, you know, get past the 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 uh, the chest wall or anything like that. Um, it doesn't yeah. take much to have bad luck and an mm-hmm. artery get nicked. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, there are people all the time. I mean, look at shark attacks. I mean, there are people that get mauled by sharks and they die from arterial bleeds. Um Granted, that's pretty brutal of an example, but nonetheless, it happens daily life. I mean, people mow, Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll be mowing their yard or something and something flies off or pops off and, you know, cuts them, hits an artery Mm -hmm. or something like that. I mean, it can happen doing anything. Um, This was just my experience of it happening at a local range and local match. And, um... At first, did it scare the shit out of me? Hell yeah, it did. Because uh, I really didn't know what was going on. I just, I feel this heavy thud on my chest and I'm bleeding. And it's like, what the hell am I supposed to think when there's a bunch of guns around? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, and luckily, you know, and I, I'm not trying to harp on, you know, that that this was a big traumatic experience or anything like that. I mean, yes, was it nerve wracking? Yes. Um, am I going to stick with this forever no am i going to learn from it and move on yes i'm fine um nothing's wrong with me i i haven't had any issues or anything like that it was just a concern mostly more concerned about infection um like i said i finished the match i didn't have any problems like that but when i found out after i went to go get sutures that it was deeper than i initially thought that's when I became a little bit more concerned, like, wow, this could, there, it didn't, but luckily it didn't turn as bad as it possibly could have been with just slightly more velocity on that piece of, on that piece of copper. Um, so guys, yeah, just, just make sure you got your gear on you. Um, I'm giving you first have an experience of why you should have it on you at the range, even if it's not for you, have it for somebody else because this, I mean, this stuff happens all the time. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's 
I think that for the most part covers what we were wanting to cover on this episode. I didn't, I don't have a whole lot else unless there's something else that you can think of, Todd, that we didn't cover for this one. Not really. Uh, on this one, like Evan stated at first, he's, he's, uh, on turnaround. Um, we're just getting off the holidays. We've been, we've been busy with family stuff. So we've, we've kind of been, uh, struggling to, to get together to record an episode. But yeah, this one's, um, this one's a little shorter than usual, uh, not by much, but we're we're still planning to keep on turning them out. Um, I got a couple ideas for some other topics. Uh, I've had some suggestions for some other topics uh, that I think would be good okay. for us to cover. Um, so hopefully we can get to those here in the near future and get those out for y'all. Absolutely. Well, with that, I hope everybody had a great new year. I hope y'all's year's starting off well. Hopefully y'all aren't having to work as much as I am right now. And y'all can get out there to the range and shoot a little bit. Um, it'll probably be about a three-month hiatus for me because I get off of work and get by the time I get home, it's almost dark. So I don't really get a chance to go shoot much right now. So hopefully I can start you know, start shooting in some of these matches and stuff like that. I know I said before that's something I'm planning on doing, and that is my goal for this year is to actually start shooting in some USPSA matches and start to progress my skills a little more from where I'm at currently. So as I start doing that, of course, I'll start, you know, Todd and I will talk about it anyways, but I'll start letting you guys know, you know, my kind of my first experience. I know Todd's been doing it a couple times now, so he kind of talked about it. Um, but hopefully through those experiences, maybe we can come up with some more topics for y'all too. But we'll try to keep it going. Um, like Todd mentioned, it'll probably, they'll be a little bit shorter, you know, maybe 30 to 45 minutes versus an hour now. Uh, at least for these first couple months till I get freed up and get a little more time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I got a couple other ideas for, for this new year, uh, to maybe, maybe get on some different platforms, uh, put some good information out there, hopefully help some folks out that are maybe trying to, to find their way or step their way into the concealed carry world with the th- way things are going. Um, you know, try to, try to, try to be that, that, uh, first step source of information that I never had. Um, and, and if y'all, um, if any of y'all listening, haven't checked it out, I was also, uh, able to, I was lucky enough to be a guest on the active self-protection podcast. Um, so if y'all want, y'all can go over there, check them out, uh, give a story of what, you know, led me down this path today. And, uh, those are great guys over there. had a great time talking with Mike and, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, outside of that, guys, I appreciate y'all listening to us. Uh, go give us a follow on Instagram if you haven't yet. Um, you can find us on the web at concealedcarrytexastraining.com. Um, and outside of that, yeah, I think that's about all we have, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. So I guess we can say goodbye to y'all for today and we'll be back hopefully before you know it. All right, guys, till next time. Later.